We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. James Ham here. And before we jump into this edition of the King's Beat podcast, I want to take a brief moment to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you want to liven up the way you watch Sacramento Kings games the rest of the season, then Prize Picks is for you. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy game and covers any sport you watch, including the NBA. Now, usually when people think of fantasy games, they think of having to set lineups, salary caps, and competing against hundreds, if not thousands, of other players. All for a shot to win just a small slice of a huge pie. But Prize Picks is different. You're not competing with anyone else to win big. It's just you versus the numbers. So how does it work? It's simple. You pick two to six players and predict if they'll produce more or less than the prize picks projections. If your predictions are correct, you can win up to 25 times what you entered. Need more clarification? Here's an example. You could submit an entry for De'Aaron Fox to score more than 27.5 points and Demonis Sabonis to rack up more than 39.5 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Hit on both, and you win. Price Picks is fully operational to residents in over 30 states, including California. And for King's Beat listeners, Price Picks is offering special deals for new players. Use the promo code KINGSBEAT, all one word, to receive deposit matches up to $100 when you sign up through the link to the prize pick location in the show notes. Prize pick entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, so you can join in on the fun quickly and easily. Plus, prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals within 24 to 48 hours. Thanks again for tuning into the King's Beat podcast, and thanks to Prize Picks for sponsoring this episode. Start playing today, and remember to sign up using the promo code KINGSBEAT when you do. Now, on to the podcast. He turns, he fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby, has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for yours. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. 
joining me, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm doing quite well, gentlemen. How are you? Got to hang out with y'all in the in the Bay Area. Have a nice little series tied 2-2. Kings Warriors, Game 5 Wednesday. We're spending my precious off time doing a live show right now, and I couldn't be happier. Well, Sean couldn't be happier. It's sunny outside. There's no rain from the bitch about. Yeah. Can we go outside? Uh, I, could we use, probably... I could use the sun. We probably should go outside. Um, I could certainly use the sun. Uh, okay, and of course, joining Sean and I is Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing good. Been busy, like I'm sure both of you guys have been as well. Um, but good. I did go on a walk. Got a little bit of sun that is much needed for all of us, I'm sure. Um, can't complain. You went on a walk because you don't have a car or you just decided you wanted to go a combination uh, a of the both you know because I, I like taking those strolls when when need be but i didn't know if it was out of necessity or because you thought that the day was so nice sick burn Sean. no just kind of embracing burn. It, you know just kind of embracing it <laughs> just a question uh, amazing uh all right so thanks for joining us here we are doing a live show so if you are here on youtube and you don't mind give us a thumbs up uh subscribe we're approaching 3000 subscribers so that's cool is that good uh I, I don't know what's good but it's better than it was when we were 2000 and i you know so yeah this is good um so outside of that uh join the king's beat uh, go to the kingsbeat.com and uh jump on board with a subscription there um become a premium subscription and get invited to things like the happy hours we'll probably do a happy hour uh, after the first round of the playoffs, um, win or lose, we'll we'll try to get one in right the week after. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then this summer we'll do a live happy hour. Uh, that sounds like a good idea as well. As well, um, guys, uh, we got a series, um, but we do also have like bummer news for for Kings fans who have not been tapped in all day to social media or did not get the Kings beat newsletter sent to your inbox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is doubtful for game four. He has broken the tip of his index finger. Sean thinks he found the video uh, when Kevin, uh, Kevon Looney uh, f like smacked him, uh, like high-fived him after uh, a foul, right, against Jordan Poole? Well, yeah, I mean, it could be. I know, um, you know, there had been uh, another video out there uh, looking at the same thing. I realized I had shot that moment, too, when we're talking about, like, the 435, 430 mark of the fourth quarter where he uh, – you don't see it in my – you see it a little cl cleaner in my video, but in the broadcast video um, you see – that was funny, just the tip. Uh, you do see him kind of grab at the, at the finger, but you at least in my footage, you don't see him really grab at the finger at any point the rest of the way. And I think, you know, that's encouraging, question mark, because uh, certainly it's pain tolerance. Certainly it's adrenaline is going 100 miles an hour at that mm -hmm. point. So, uh, yeah, he finished out the fourth quarter rather nice. There was that wonky pass that looked like it was going to Harrison, but Monk was also in the area, and so was Domas, and it just went out of bounds. And from my angle, I couldn't tell if it was tipped or just a bad pass, but he did throw that pass uh primarily with his left uh with his left hand so not sure if that played a role there but yeah you wouldn't have known it after the game man he didn't have any wrapping on it no tape again 
a a year or a year, excuse me, a day or two after the fact, you you get the you have some discomfort, uh, pain gets a little bit more unmanageable, if you will, and more intense. Course, yeah, yeah and, of, and and of course, swelling. You know, what does swelling look like uh, a day or two later? So, yeah, that's going to be uh, all a part of what the Kings are going to use to decide whether or not Darren can go or not on on Wednesday, and it all basically puts the spotlight on practice on Tuesday, whether or not he is able to uh, give it a go or not. And also just on the medical team uh, to put some sort of uh, wrap, <clears throat> excuse me, brace or some some sort of concoction on the finger to where it doesn't become a uncomfortability with the shot. It, you know, if he can contribute, I think uh, he'll, he'll give it a go. But um, certainly we've seen players play with a, with this type of injury and you've definitely seen them sit as well. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what the next few days hold. I think I, I kind of went back and watched that moment that it seems like it happened. It's just the first time that you see De'Aaron have any sort of, and to Sean's point, the only time really that you see De'Aaron have any sort of like clinching or looking at his finger or anything. Um, and hardly grazed, at least from what I could tell by Looney, but, you know, just hit it just right or just the wrong way, I guess. And then from there on the final 430 about De'Aaron, put up seven points on two of six um, didn't look great, but didn't look bad either. Um, he hit a huge three at the very end of that game that I thought was just a crazy shot for him to be able to get to go down. And it'll be interesting to see how he's able to progress moving forward. You know, Mike Brown's given a lot of credit to this performance staff throughout the course of this year and, and credited them for a lot of the success, understandably so, but we'll see how this gets handled and, Domas has been playing with a, a thumb issue all year long. And I guess each of Sacramento stars only get one good hand. I guess so. Um, I, I think I'll make the difference with Domas too. Um, first of all, Domas handles the ball, but he's not a primary ball handler uh, where Fox has to do a lot of things like in movement, dribbling, passing. Um, so I think that's a little different. It's also Domas uh, has a, an avulsion fracture in his left thumb. Uh, it's still there. He's still taped up all the time. Although in a lot of games, he doesn't tape up anymore. He is still taped up in practice and warmups and everything else. Um, and they, he may still need surgery after the season on his hand. Um, but again, it's his offhand and it's, it's his right hand, which is, I think why we rarely see Domas go to the right at all. At this point in the season, he's just primarily gone to the left because um, his right hand is still beat up. Uh, but either way, um, we're going to have to see. And and I don't like saying, I mean, this is going to be a pain management issue, we think. But it may not be. Like, we don't know the the extent of the damage here. And, like, we, we see Matthew Delavadova walking around with a hard cast on with two of his fingers up in the air at all times because he had to have finger surgery on his index finger. And we haven't heard that that's the case with Fox, that it's that extensive. But... I don't think we have enough information to say that it's not something more substantial. So we're going to have to wait and see. And if he can go practice and, and I don't even know if he needs to go practice tomorrow. If he's at shoot around on Wednesday and he's actually participating and getting shots up, I think there's a chance as of right now, he's listed as doubtful. Um, if he doesn't go, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement here uh, just because Mike Brown did this all season long. Anytime Fox missed a game, but Davion Mitchell is your starter, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he would be. Um, there, you look. I mean, they for as well as Malik Monk has played in this series, even though he uh, has kind of regressed a little bit in, in the definitely in Game Three. Uh, Mike Brown is completely comfortable with Malik Monk coming off the bench, being in that uh, type of environment, and I think. Yeah, D- Davion Mitchell would be the next man up. We've seen it uh, recently. Uh, look, this team is four and five when De'Aaron Fox does not play. And d- more times than not, it's Davion Mitchell that's always stepping into that role. I'm trying to think back if I could think of one that wasn't. And I think there was a Della Vadova start at one point. Am I, am I crazy there? I think so. Uh, they might have both been out, though. Davion might have been out as well. That's right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the next man up, but, start? Oh, dear but, Lord. but, but to me, it's going to be more so it's going to fall on Demona Sabonis, who has had a very challenging series, um, putting him more in, in a playmaking position than he even normally is. Um, I mean, everything comes through him usually, but, uh, you'll be seeing him advance the ball quite a lot. You'll see guys like Kevin Herter, um, have to be asked to do more he struggled mightily in this series as well and the the one that i kind of wonder if we might see guys is 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 something like pj dozier i mean is this a break glass in case of emergency especially with the way he has length and playmaking ability um that could be something that they might work on here in the next few days going into game five so uh, i say that all that realizing that i think De'Aaron fox will play people i've spoken to both inside, outside, and around the organization seem to think that there's a confidence that that he will be able to give it a go. How impactful he'll be will remain to be seen. And you're right, James, whether he practices tomorrow or not, he will be involved in, in my opinion, somehow, some way to try to see what the 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 comfortability will be with whatever they wrap on his finger, what that pain management could be when handling the ball, shooting the ball. And make no mistake, much like Demonis Sabonis with that wrap on his on his uh his his non-shooting hand it instantly becomes a target um, going forward. So, uh, yeah, buckle up. Could be fun. And I do want to say hi to my friend Dua. She chimed in uh, in the chat. So we are doing a live show. So always have to shout out to people that I see that are familiar in the chat. You're not saying hi to uh, Baby Daddy? Come Did on, he Sean. say hi to me? I didn't see. Did Baby Daddy say hi to me? No, maybe not. He just not. said live. That's just live. <laughs> yes, facts. We are live, but no hi, Sean. <laughs> so I didn't want to leave anybody hanging and uh do as a homie so uh, i gotta make sure i say what's up to her yeah that's she's right, also that's right. she's also been at every she loses her mind at some of these uh king's watch parties i've i've, I've been told so oh that's good good uh good enthusiastic fan enthusiasms <laughs> they, they look fun the watch parties i think they're they're decent showings um, see see now i can't say what up to because it's i have to say what up i'm not going to say daddy and i don't want to say the baby daddy what's up sir how about that he says he chimes in the chat. But then ahead, you Brandon. said it. Well, you said it. He did it. say it. He did say it. Somebody <laughs> clip that. Somebody clip that. I pretty much agree with everything Sean said. I think that what we've seen from De'Aaron throughout the course of his career and just kind of the competitive spirit that he has, I'm sure that if he feels able to and there's no situation where he could risk something more extreme long-term, he's putting himself in any sort of, as long as he's not putting himself in any sort of long-term risk by playing and feels capable. I would expect him to be out there, um, but for sure have to see how you feel these next day and a half that you sort of got to, to prepare for this. And I really like Sean's shout uh, PJ Dozier. I don't know. I'm not expecting PJ Dozier, but I think he becomes like a possibility now 
when he wasn't really before. I, I do think that you lean into Davion. I think you probably lean into Malik Monk, and that's your initial point guard rotation in my mind. But if you feel like you need to go in a different direction, maybe you do try PJ. He played a little bit in the postseason with Denver. Um, I, I think that he has interesting qualities, but obviously not the most ideal situation. And you do just... De'Aaron's been extremely important. De'Aaron's been the best player for the Kings throughout the course of this series easily. He's been phenomenal. The creation that he has is so important. Like James mentioned, Domas would need to do more as a playmaker. That's something Golden State is very specifically trying to take away, and it'd be that much easier for them to try and do that without the threat of De'Aaron Fox out there. So can they win a game without Fox because shots go down? Sure. Um, But if Fox isn't healthy, it is honestly pretty tough to imagine them winning this series hmm. uh, you know I, i'm not going to make any judgment on what's going to happen in the series because we got to see how it plays out um i do think it's interesting though because davion mitchell has been in my opinion he's been really really good in the series like he's averaging 23.7 minutes per game like he's not scoring a ton um and but he's been hitting you know i think he's shooting like 48 percent from the field and 33 percent from three something like that uh, and his defense has just been spectacular. You know, I, um, I'm going to have a piece go up probably on Wednesday. Um, I, I got Davey on for a conversation the other day. I talked to Doug Christie about him and stuff like that. Like the most impressive thing for me is, you know, I said it all the way through, um, you know, as we were building up to the playoffs that I think Davey on is a tough matchup in this series because he's not good as an off ball defender. And I think he's done great. I think he he's learning and he's he's figuring out ways to chase uh, to chase Steph Curry all over the place and make life difficult. He's picking him up in the backcourt, you know. And I, I said this on the radio the other day with D'Lo and Casey. I, I'll admit I was wrong. I didn't think he would be that impactful in this series. He's been really really good, and like to rely on him as your backup when you want to match him up with Steph as much as possible anyways, I think it's okay. Like, do I think he's going to be able to shut Steph Curry down? No, um, nobody can, but I do think he gives you a really good option. And I like your PJ Dozier thing as well. I think Dozier is like, he's looked interesting when he's gotten an opportunity. He hasn't flinched when it comes to taking a shot and he's long, he's athletic. He has playoff experience. He actually knows how to play in these types of games. So, like, I think you have options. It's it's kind of too bad that Delavadova can't play. And not that I think he could have helped you all that much, but I think he could have bought like maybe eight or ten minutes in a game, especially when some of the players that we're seeing on the other side, you know, your Moses Moody's of the world, your uh, Kamingas, even Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton the second, like they're just not impactful offensively. And I think you could have got away with some of these other players, you know matching up wise um you guys mentioned monk uh up and down again even in i'd say like he was he had a huge first game game two he he was really good but not as good game three he was just horrible game four he was both he had like his first half i think he was two of nine like nothing was going some turnovers he came alive late but I don't know about you guys. It sure did feel like Mike Brown was calling Malik and a couple of others out in post game for running into 
like a one-on-three break where not a three-on-one, a one-on-three where he's just going in and throwing up prayers and expecting a foul and not getting it. And Mike Brown wasn't happy about the way that the Kings did that a couple of times down the stretch. And it seemed like it was a pretty big issue. The uh, yeah, quote, I actually have the quote right here yeah, from coach. It's um, all of our guys are driving into two, sometimes three guys in transition and begging for a call continued. Uh, we wasted a ton of possessions in transition driving, just throwing up some crazy stuff. I, I think that Malik was the biggest culprit, but I do think that there was a handful of other guys that made the same mistakes, but it did feel like Malik was the guy to do that more often. Um, but I think it's just kind of part of the Malik Monk experience. I feel like, like he is an extremely bold player and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't when it works. It's a, it's a highlight when it doesn't, it's a low light and it's kind of just part of Malik Monk in my mind. And as Sean says a lot, I, think that he's the big X factor, especially if De'Aaron is hindered a little bit by this finger thing going on. And he wasn't great in game four, but he did enough. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had some moments, man, like that, that intercepting Jordan pool pass. Like he looked like he was, you know, Deion Sanders going up and grabbing that thing out of the air. Um, I think the poster child for what Mike Brown was talking about was obviously that forced just trash shot on the other end but i i feel like there were it, it, there were moments that guys got really kind of caught up in the just back and forth nature of what was going on even the warriors to an extent um and i'm not even factoring in the the, the, the timeout uh, uh gaff that steph curry and really S- steve kerr <laughs> had with the uh, challenging of the play but uh the, it, there was a moment where the physicality kind of peaked and the, the just the the reckless abandon in which this like there was a, there was probably a stretch of two like two three minutes where I was like we're at peak levels of this playoff series and it's fun to watch there's some sloppiness to be had for sure um, but guys were going out there very ambitious and feeling themselves and and just trying to make a play and sometimes um, simple some of the simple things would have gone along a lot more I mean we've talked about how moments where De'Aaron Fox, who obviously can get to his space, get to his spot and just right around that free throw line extended and and knock down a shot. um, That is almost like the ultimate um, uh, safety valve, if you will. But also you've got Demonis Sabonis. I know he's uh, had his struggles in the series. He's had moments of impact as well, but I'd kind of like to see a little bit more of him in the fourth quarter doing some things. And there was a moment, man, where he goes down there and just absolutely annihilates uh, the immovable object, as I call him, in Kevon Looney. Uh, Doesn't get whistled with with an offensive foul, strangely enough, because it was a pretty egregious play. Um, And then, uh, you know, then he gets knocked down on the other end. And it's just those are the moments you want to see him really kind of step up and and take advantage without being so – bull in the china closet kind of a kind of a thing because he was really he had a hard time against Kevon Looney a lot last night all throughout this series obviously except for maybe game two where he got him into some foul trouble and we obviously saw what happened in that game where Draymond Green has to take over and stomp stomp on Sabonis but um I would kind of like to see them use that safety valve a little bit more if anything just to kind of be that more of a calming presence it doesn't mean you have to slow things down it doesn't mean you can't go at the breakneck speed that you're going but you can also recognize that that dude is a walking bucket. Yeah, what you need is high percentage buckets. It's the old Zebo thought. 
like anytime things are going south and some team has a 6-0 run, the way to stop a 6-0 run is to get to the rim and to feed your big man and have him go score at 70% at the rim. And I don't know what it is, but it just feels like half of the game is being officiated one way, all on the perimeter it's being officiated with weird touch fouls and like ridiculous things. And then in the paint, it's like they're letting them like take pugil sticks to each other and just beat the living crap out of each other. I mean, but like how in the world do you, does Sabonis, what did he play? 38 minutes? Yeah, Sabonis, 37 minutes. Sabonis doesn't go to the free throw line once. It's just like, there's no way that there's no foul calls. Like I know that like he got called for an offensive foul where he, he bull rushed uh, Looney and, and pushed him back and they called the offensive foul. He did the same thing earlier in the game where he got it kind of his head down and was pushing uh, Looney under the basket. Looney almost pulled his shirt over the top of his head, like hockey fight. And then when Sabonis shook out of it and went up and scored, he clearly gets smacked on the arm by Wiggins. And I just don't think the, the officials are, they have any idea how to, how to like officiate what's happening in the paint between these two, like, superhuman strength guys and that really doesn't play to the king's hands because they have the highly skilled of the two that scores averages 19 points a game and then the other guy it's a good thing for sabonis not getting in foul trouble but like looney doesn't score at all and so i that's one of those battles where you're looking at it thinking how in the world can sabonis average like what is he almost seven free throw attempts per game during the regular season and he goes through an absolute like, you know, bloody battle in the post and can't get to the free throw line once. I just thought it was really, really odd how the officiating. It's like they don't know how to officiate what's happening there. Does that make sense? Uh, to a degree. I mean, look, the officiating has been bad both ways, as we, we've come to expect. Um, I, you're having different crews in every single game. So the areas of emphasis that different crews come in with can change. And, and you're, you're right, James, to a degree with what happens out on the perimeter. You have a little touch fouls, um, you know, whether it be Jordan, Pru Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Curry, um, just moments where it, it's like if they put a body on Fox, like Fox was really you know, drawing, do, doing a really nice job drawing fouls. Some of them I even question. And then what goes down low, you're right, is like uh, just – <laughs> just jousting i mean it's it's, like it's they're almost... beating each other with baseball bats like what yeah, is man. happening um but you know how does that change uh as someone told me the other day he's like oh you haven't seen scott foster yet in this series so maybe buckle up for game five uh i don't know uh it it, it i hate to make so much about the officials as, as we tend to do but it it does rear its head and become a storyline within the series within a playoff series um and i think for the most part in this series, they they have let them play. You know, they have let uh, a lot of physicality go, which is why um, if people were doubting that, you know, playoff games take a take a don't take any different role than they do in the in comparison to a regular season game. I mean, just look at this series. You're seeing it. Uh, you're seeing uh, a team like the Kings who can't score <laughs> uh, as high as they normally do. Although last night was a you know 126 125 affair. Kings looked so much better than they looked in Game Three. They responded better to the physicality. They didn't take the bait. Uh, it was fun. You know, Draymond Green comes back coming off the bench. Um, certainly playing a factor gets a tech right in the few first few minutes and uh you know i imagine that's going to kind of segue into our keegan murray discussion but 
I've liked the composure of the Kings all throughout the, 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 the series, not taking the bait. You do see Fox kind of chirp back at him. You've seen Malik Monk really chirp back at him. Uh, Malik Monk is going to keep talking all, all game long. It was interesting to see Fox kind of show that side mm-hmm. of him as well, really sticking up for what happened with Keegan Murray. Uh, and look, Draymond Green and, and De'Aaron Fox are, are, are pretty close, you know, in terms of likability and, and guys that have respect for one another. And I'll admit I was trying to bait him because I was trying to find out before listening to Draymond's podcast what that whole moment was going to be about. Um, and, and what he thought about there, and and he didn't he didn't want any part of it, and and good for Deeran for not uh, not going there. Um, I asked him if he was having fun with even just the back and forth, and he didn't like the word fun. He says he wouldn't just describe it as fun. He just you know almost almost talked about it as being unnecessary. You don't really see Fox talk a ton of trash uh, like you like you did in that moment, and it was uh, for me it was fun to see because it was definitely an entertaining moment. I really like to see that from De'Aaron actually I thought that he was standing up for for his guy and it did kind of strike me that after the Draymond Sabonis incident the the whole stomp slash grab that nobody on the Kings really went up to Draymond you know kind of made me think of the Chemezi Metu situation from a couple years ago where he gets thrown off the rim by Valanchunas like nobody goes up to Valanchunas you know like I like that when this happened with Keegan and he gets poked in the face because he's being aggressive by the way which uh, like to Sean's point I'm sure we'll get to um, but gets posted in the poked in the face and their back and forth is fun I, I like that De'Aaron is standing up for at least for from my perspective um, I like De'Aaron standing up for his guys for sure yeah I'll say this the Sabonis Draymond Green thing was very specific where the the play shifted to the other end so quickly that everyone was chasing the ball and not really watching what was happening. So I'm not going to call the Kings out for not like the Chemezi Metu situation. Everyone was right there. Like when he got torn off the rim by Valanchunas and tossed to the ground. And so there was like this moment where they should have stepped up uh, and even like go to the Trey Lyles thing where Trey Lyles like wasn't having it. And then I thought that Sabonis and Fox were like all in, they got right into the mix um, I, I mean, at this point we've seen Draymond green do the crazy stomp play, but on top of that, he slapped Trey Lyles in the face in game one. I think it was game one. Uh, and then he does it again to Keegan Murray. Like I don't have any problems with Fox stepping up. Someone needs to step up. And for that matter, matter the officials need to step up. Like those are hands to the head plays that are, are reviewable and they they're good for flagrant fouls or technicals um and it's happened like this is the second time and i'm not even talking about like him jumping off of somebody like these are these are things that shouldn't happen in a game and i know people don't want to call like they they get a little leery with the whole dirty play thing like i I think draymond green thinks he's dirty he doesn't care like if he doesn't think he's a dirty player i don't like he's dirty same with thing with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks knows he's dirty. Like, and a lot of those guys, they own that. Like, that's who they are. That's a function of how they play. They play with an edge. And I'm glad Fox got in his face. Uh, I see some of the commenters here uh, in the chat are, uh, are you know, saying some things that they think that uh, uh, De'Aaron called him. Um, Go ahead, which James. Is, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, Draymond. Uh, okay, Fox called Draymond a ho-ass. Huh. That's a good one. There you go, Tyler. Uh, and then what was the other one? Um, 
they said i i think i missed that one look it? while you're looking for it it's like there's a moment where we talked about it in the in the last podcast because of the suspension of draymond like there can come an exhaustion of what he does and and certainly i, I was kind of alluding to that and what you see from teammates and coaches and the way they respond to him and, and look at him and roll their eyes and even when you're asked about it, it's like well that's draymond and, and steve kerr points out it's like but you know he our team feeds off it ramona shelburne wrote a great piece in espn today about how that suspension could have very well saved the warrior season uh if you look at its entirety sure they've evened up the series they've they've held on to home court but there's a a, a response uh, you know after what you've seen in game one and game two um they had their backs against the wall and i don't think they had had to play from a moment of desperation at any time this series or in the season and they did so in game three and made the kings look like a completely different team out there um to that point though they may have gotten the king's best foot forward if you will uh, or at least the best chance of winning it in, in in san francisco in that game four and it didn't happen now in game five i still don't think that the kings truly have their backs against the wall even if fox doesn't play because by virtue of a three-game series and it's being on your home court you have to come out and play that way but we still don't know what that looks like for sacramento my point being too with with fox or with draymond green is you really love it if it's on your team if he's on your team sure you might have some people roll your eyes and sigh and go okay here it goes again but the proof is in the pudding he he fuels the golden state warriors and it could be getting to the point of exhaustion i think clearly it has for some people some fans even but make no mistake it works <laughs> it works if you need it they, he is he's even bigger than a hockey goon because he is a all-star caliber player with tremendous defense playmaking rebounding ability and he gets in the heads of the opponent that's why i've said before in previous podcasts like who is that for the kings it's undeniable that the kings were in the heads of some warriors players uh through two games of the series but two games does not make a series so mm -hmm. here we are going into game five and if it, i'm telling you man it's a lot of kings a lot of kings fans would be singing a different tune if draymond green was on their team wearing purple and black the energy just of chase center even surrounding draymond like clearly stands out you know he checks into the game uh, comes off the bench and checks into the game which gives him his own moment for the crowd to kind of react to that and and then he had a great first quarter really i mean he in his what six and a half minutes six points an assist two rebounds a steal in there he had a great game all around like how many guys in the league are guarding demontis sabonis and then at one point getting assigned to De'Aaron fox later in the game like there's you can count on one hand probably the amount of guys in the league that can do that and i didn't think that draymond was amazing on De'Aaron, but it's important to show the same way it's important to show Steph different looks. It's important for the Warriors to show De'Aaron different looks. And Draymond has his his antics that are part of him, but he was very impactful in this game. And, and him and Looney deserve a lot of the credit for Domas being slowed down on the offensive end. I totally agree, especially with the Domas stuff. Like Domas needs to be better, but I don't it's not like a lack of trying. Like the biggest issue that I had with Domas in the last game, um, clearly his in this his assist numbers bounce back up, and that's very specific. It's because players hit shots, and the first three games they didn't hit shots, and in the last game they did, and so his assist numbers were back up. 
but it took him until the mid second quarter to get a rebound. And I just thought that was crazy. I mean, this is a guy that we've seen almost get a double double in the first quarter multiple times this season. And he was able to rattle off like four rebounds right in a row, but they need him to be like a dominating force on the rebounding side. If he's not scoring and he's got to figure out other ways to score, he's got to sit there and I expect him. We saw him at, at, uh, at practice on Saturday and, uh, he was shooting a bunch of mid range jump shots. I expect to see a lot more of that. And, and I also, I have this question, like why is it that Looney is allowed to stand in the key? Like I, I I'm watching the whole entire time and it sure does look like a, like an illegal defense the entire time. Like he's standing in the key sagged off of Sabonis the whole time. And he's not within an arm's reach of Sabonis. So how is that allowed? because that's kind of how they've slowed the entire Kings offense by just basically running one guy with his zone standing in the middle, like a bumper in the middle of the key. I mean, have you guys noticed that when you're watching the game or is it, am I crazy? I mean, Savonis gets away with a lot of that too. Um, they don't, neither one of them really clears the, the, the key like you're supposed to. Um, I think oftentimes an official will, during a dead ball situation, go up to each player and say, hey, you're, you're, I'm giving you some leeway in the key. You need to make sure you're aware of it. Um, I, I'm a little surprised it hasn't, I don't think it's been called at all, right? In the No. That, in the entire series, I don't think it has. So yeah, it might be a little bit, but I just don't think it's been, I don't think that, I think for everything that the officials have to look at within a playoff series and physicality, that's probably just low on the list. Yeah, I'd be calling it out if I were Mike Brown. <laughs> James would be that guy. <laughs> no, I would. I would call it out. I mean, that's what they this whole thing where they're saying Sabonis is using the ball as a weapon, and all of a sudden so, Sabonis isn't using the ball to push off anymore, and and like he's he's having a tough time. Like there are all of these things that are like it's gamesmanship, but you got to step up your gamesmanship here. Like if you're really thinking about it, like you want to run your DHO, you, they can't run a pick and roll. Because Looney's just standing in the key the whole time. He's not even stepping up and defending. And I, I mean, I get it to a certain extent because Sabonis isn't shooting from the perimeter, but still, like you gotta you gotta make some sort of adjustments there. Um, talking about adjustments, um, Keegan Murray, like he has his breakout game. He looks like Keegan Murray, and uh, like we're still waiting for Kevin Herter to have that game, and even. To a certain extent, you know, Harrison Barnes has had hit and miss, but what did you guys make of Keegan? Because from my point of view, he just moved faster. He just like figured out the speed and the pace of what was happening, the physicality that was happening and says, okay, if I'm going to do this, I just have to go harder. Like I've got to be more aggressive, more physical. I've got to run faster. And sure enough, he gets wide open because of that and starts hitting shots left and right and was totally impactful in, in game four. He was looking for it. I mean, he looked for his opportunities early. I mean, even before Draymond Green checked into the game, he was came ready to go. And I, he, I even talked, even asking him after the game, like I wondered how much it helped just to see the ball go through the net um, because I wasn't going to buy into that. I felt like he came in and wanted to play with force. I felt like he put himself in position to rebound better. felt felt like he, and this might be scoffed at, but I actually felt he was playing some pretty solid defense uh, through the first half of that game. And yeah, it was everything you wanted from Keegan Murray, uh, even probably exceeding some expectations the way he was playing off, uh, off ball. And uh, I 
just felt like King and Murray entered the chat finally, and it's good to see. Can it roll over? I wonder. I'm curious to see what uh, Golden State does differently if they even try to game plan for any action with him, or if they just chalk it up to that's one game and we'll continue to do what we do. Post game, he accredited a lot of it to just being aggressive. He said that he felt like the Warriors didn't really change anything and that he was just being more aggressive. I do think that games two and three to me were crazy physical and games one and four still had a level of physicality. That's like above what you would see in the regular season. But I thought two and three were on another level um, and four maybe not quite as much. And even that being said, he did adjust to what that physicality was in those games. And I think that helped being aggressive, searching after his own shot is important. He, he looks comfortable out there and I honestly after it being three games in a row where you really couldn't even keep him on the floor kind of got to the point where it was like I don't know if we're going to get anything from Keegan in this series and felt okay with that but he made the adjustment mid-series and to do it on the road I think is really impressive and makes me even more optimistic for what he might be able to do back at their home court but we're gonna have to see if, if he can emerge here that would be a really big thing for right now for this team and also just the long-term development of Keegan individually. Yeah. And I'm going to see, you said you didn't think game four was as physical. I, I think it, I think game one and game two, the Kings were the more physical team game three, the Warriors were the more physical team game four was like a bloodbath. It just didn't look that way because both teams were basically punching each other the entire time. So I think the physicality level was still there, but it was from both sides. There wasn't one team that was more physically dominant than the other, which is why I think we had a 126-125 game. I, I thought at one point it was the most physical it's been all series, uh, particularly in that in that fourth quarter, which, by the way, like you can look at the third quarter, and I think um, Kings ran into some problems there. Uh, certainly when you look back at the at the totality of the game, but one of the most impressive things in, in that game to me was the way they started the fourth in the wake of that, uh, go out on that 7-0 run. And uh, I think that just really set a tone with the fight that the Kings were going to show. And, it, and they really stepped up to the physicality. Um, really, it just comes down to some you know, mental mistakes and, and some awful turnovers and things down the stretch. But uh, just, just I, I, from a physicality standpoint, that just really stands out to me. I can't wait to – when this is in the rear view – in July when we're bored, I want to go back and watch the series again. It's totality literally one after the other. Like it's a reality, not even a reality TV series, but like a just binge like watch prestige it. drama and binge watch. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it, you're seeing some really high level basketball and even when it's ugly, man, like it is so goddamn entertaining. And, and, and the, it, it you know, I won't go as far as to say it reminds you of the early two thousands or nineties when, when the NBA was officiated in a more physical fashion, but even with the way the NBA is officiated these days, um, I, I like the let them play approach, and I like letting players really step up and have big moments. And, and you're seeing a lot of them. There's been moments that come at the expense of Kings, but if you're just the a regular NBA fan and you're just watching it, I think it's a here. It's easily by leaps and bounds the most entertaining series that we've seen in this playoffs so far. And I think when it's all said and done, even with the NBA Finals, with with the exception of possible few matchups that can happen, I think it'll absolutely be the most entertaining series of the entire playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's, let's hit on a couple of things that people are mentioning. Um, the last two-minute report, I don't know if you guys looked at it, 
Uh, Draymond Green fouled De'Aaron Fox with 37 seconds left on a reach-in. Um, he knocked the ball away from Fox and hit his arm, and it went to Barnes, and I think Barnes missed a three. He went um, long. It was that same. It was the same location that he had for the, uh, the for the game winning attempt that also sailed long. And uh, it there's several moments that happened in that fourth quarter, James, where uh, you know you've got Barnes inbounding, much like he did in the final play, and then he he gets the ball to, to shoot the ball. You know you've got Draymond Green all over Fox, and it wasn't until that final possession that they brought the double team. And as you know, Green says on his podcast, he's like, even post game, he's like, I'm not going to let them ISO. <laughs> you know, it's 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 fun to watch how that whole play thing played out. And I think if there was a guy who made a mistake, and I think Mike Brown pointed him out, it was Harrison not to come over and set the screen. Yeah, yeah, like the final play, like I I just look at it was a really good shot. Yeah, and it was. and Fox is. Fox has done it throughout the last couple of years. Like, remember, he's the guy who set up Chemezi Metu for the wide open, th- well, for the for the three in the corner against Dallas, right? Um, he He's the one who threw the bomb to Harrison Barnes for the shot. Like, he has a way of instilling confidence in his teammates by hitting them in, in rhythm for the perfect shot in the po- perfect moment down the stretch. Harrison just missed a shot. And I, I think no one feels worse about it than Harrison at all that like he, he doesn't know what to say in that moment. And this series and that shot probably meant more to Harrison Barnes than any other player in the building. Like people who might think that he doesn't care or that he's, you know, he comes off as, you know, that he's a Senator, like for him to bring up the 2016 situation uh, you have that quote pulled up, Brennan, because that there was a, a quote and it, it has so many so much depth and so many layers to it. That guy wanted that ball to go in so bad and to beat the Warriors and to go three one and shut those guys up. I mean, that's and for him to come up short was just a reminder of what happened in 2016 when he had a really bad series. He he just fell apart in the final three games of the finals uh like struggled defending lebron james and then was basically just run out of town in in golden state he was blamed for a series loss that draymond green literally got thrown out of and got uh, a technical like his seventh technical foul and got suspended for a game but it was all harrison barnes fault in a seven game series that they didn't win and he was unceremoniously replaced by kevin durant so, like, again, no one has more that they want. No one wanted that shot to go in and to go up 3-1 on the Warriors than, than Harrison Barnes. And I thought it was a good look. I think that you take that shot at the end of the game. Both teams played really sloppy down the stretch of that game. Like, Golden State with obviously calling a timeout when they didn't have it. Um, the shot that Curry missed right, I don't remember, before or after that? After that because Malik hits the free throw, De'Aaron hits the three, they're down one, Curry has a really easy shot, kind of push shot floater near the rim that he totally misses, and then the Kings get that chance to win it. Like It was a messy game on both sides coming down the stretch, and the Warriors could say the same thing, that it just came down to Wiggins missing that shot in game one. You know, like it, each one went in one team's favor, and... 
now we're sitting here 2-2, which I think is is pretty fitting. I think these teams have, have been a good match. They've all been close games outside of game three. And game five is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, so the the Steph play, that's wild. Like, for him to make that kind of mistake, but I, I, I realistically, like Steve Kerr said, hey, it's my fault. And for one of the few times... I'm going to agree with Steve Kerr. That was, it was not only his <laughs> fault because I don't think he relayed enough to his players in a very, very hostile, well, not hostile. I mean, it's still a hostile environment, right? Whether it's your pro warriors or your anti-warriors, it was still crazy loud. Everyone's screaming like wild crowd. Um, but they, uh, the play before that was the uh, Kevon Looney, uh, clipped. He had a moving screen on Malik Monk. Malik Monk flew out of bounds. Leveled him. Leveled him. And then yeah. Steve Kerr, for some reason, challenges the call. So I'm sitting there, and I don't. I can't remember the guy that was sitting next to me from CBS. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name, but he was sitting next to me, and he goes, "Man, that's a horrible challenge. That's their last. That's their last timeout." I'm like, oh, that's our last timeout. Their scoreboard is not as easy to check out for timeouts and stuff as the one at Golden One. And and so I was like, oh, all right. So I wasn't paying that much attention until Steph got the ball and lollygagged in the backcourt. And then the Kings brilliantly trapped him. And he he literally does a Chris Weber. I mean, just talk about one of the most insane moments in a game for a superstar level player with all of the experience in the world to come up with a mistake. But I do blame Steve Kerr because they, they made the mistake of challenging the play right before that, where it was a clear foul and using their last timeout. Um, I, but what did you guys make of the, uh, the entire, like the gaff that was, I mean, cause that's really what we'd be talking about today. Did Steph Curry like in the Warriors, potentially end the Warriors dynasty with one of the biggest mistakes that we've seen from a pro in a big, in a big <laughs> moment situation. Uh, well, I, I will say this. I mean, you're right about what Kerr said. I mean, immediately when Steph went back to the huddle, Kerr tells him my bad. I, I think Curry should have still known that they lost that challenge and that that takes the time off, off the board. So as much as Steve Kerr would like to take the blame with that, it's, it falls on Steph Curry. He, he fucked up. So uh, I think that that's going to be um, – it, it, it let the it gave the Kings life. I mean, if, if, if not for that, this that game is over. And, and look, they held on. They won. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the uh, – it, it won't be nearly as, as critiqued and, and talked about at nauseum as it would have been had they lost that game and just gave it away uh, because that's a team that usually shows – the mental fortitude and the poise not to make mistakes nearly in that ballpark that they did. Um, and, and Steph even took some humor in it and said, I thought I made the <laughs> the smartest play of the whole series, which was to take that timeout, uh, which would have been had they had the timeout maybe. But uh, yeah, man, it, it, it it's, it's, it's quick. It, it was interesting to see how quick that moved. And honestly, you know, if you're the Kings, especially at some of those moments that they had, Curry was out, was, was pretty fantastic. And even Clay Thompson certainly rose to the occasion. Um, but some of those looks, you're, if you're Kings defense, I, I'm thinking you're probably pretty okay with some of the shot selection they took, um, particularly in that first half. And I know we're talking more about the second half. 
the way the Kings defended them uh, and, and put some of them into some uncomfortable situations and taking some really kind of crazy shots through, throughout that game four, um, that's probably a positive that they can kind of carry over. Yeah, it go, is go for very it. interesting to me how different the conversation would be if Harrison makes that shot because to the point we're talking about with Steph, obviously, um, but it's not just the timeout, like I think, or lack of timeout, but still trying to call it. It's, I really think that shot he missed on the other end was one that he hits nine times out of 10. And also big credit to Malik Monk for knocking down that free throw with 42 seconds left. That's a ginormous free throw and all of chase center totally screaming their heads off. And De'Aaron hits a huge three right after that. I honestly did not think De'Aaron would hit, but that was a ginormous shot. It with a been broken a, finger. With a broken finger, uh, come <laughs> to find out. And it would just be such a different story about like the fight of the Kings if Harrison made that shot. But that's not where we're at. And you got to move into the next one pretty much. And I, I really liked Harrison's how blunt he was. I don't feel like I've ever heard him like acknowledge the 2016, even like mentally what that meant that he had to go through or anything like that. Brennan, it was like a meme where it says nobody and it says Harrison. Yeah. I remember 2016, like, like nobody was even going to bring that up, but I, I, I appreciate his honesty, you know, and, 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 and using that as an example and, and look, He's obvious. I think everybody by now has seen the clip of what Draymond Green said after the game. We've seen that movie before. And James stopped short of talking about how Harrison was ran out of town. I mean, Draymond Green taking exception for him, you know, not taking the extension and then coming up, you know, with a lesser than, than uh, satisfying playoffs, uh, NBA finals run, and then literally kicking him to the curb and trying to recruit KD, um, which I get there's feelings involved, but. I'm sorry, like it or not, Harrison Barnes and KD, if you can get Kevin Durant, you get Kevin Durant, right? I mean, I know oh, there's yeah. feelings there, but but yes, it, had that moment happened, albeit with the the timeout that, you're, that you alluded to, James, would have been an unbelievable storyline and an unbelievable near ending for Harrison Barnes, too, who, you know, I think Draymond Green even said, man, if he had hit that shot, he's calling us every name in the book. And, so, and I'm thinking to myself... No, not really. No. Like, I, it's just not in he his makeup. Harrison, sure. His teammates would have mobbed him, and then yeah. he would have been a pro. He probably would have screamed. He might have said an expletive or two, but I don't think he's going over in front of the Warriors bench grabbing crotch. You know, I don't think he's. I don't think he's doing anything overly. Like it's still Harrison Barnes. Like I, we've seen him have moments where he, where he can feel himself especially after hitting a shot in celebratory fashion and i just think like you'd see a yell or two and he'd be thrilled to talk to us but kudos to him like james you said he didn't really know what to say i think he said everything he needed to say uh i i thought his press con his press availability in the locker room with us after the game owning it i think he liked the look that he had uh he knows he missed the shot i think he's he's more than confident in taking that type of shot and like it or not this could be the best moment for harrison barnes in this series Going forward, they're going to need Harrison Barnes to step the fuck up, especially on the offensive end. He's been nowhere, and he's a guy that does get to the free throw line. So uh, missing that shot, hopefully that's a motivating tool going into game five, especially if you've got De'Aaron Fox, who isn't ready to, you may not be ready to go or could be severely hampered with this uh, broken finger. Yeah, I don't, who was it that asked him the question? 
because I kind of felt like that had something to do with his answer about the 2013. He was asked, it, it, you miss a shot like that, you know, how hard is it to shake off? Uh, and, and he set him up brilliantly. He says, with, you know, your experience, I imagine you miss a shot like that. It's not necessarily hard to shake that one off and, and move forward to the, to the next game. And he's yeah. talking about when you've gone through 2016 as that being like the, the, the most trying time in his career and being able to possibly get over that, which newsflash, maybe he hasn't question. No. Mark. Maybe he hasn't. Well, I mean, um, he also didn't invite Draymond to his wedding, and he invited the rest no, of no, the no. guys. No, Draymond didn't invite Harrison Barnes to the wedding, right? Oh, really? No, Any, no. I think it's Harrison wrong? not inviting No, I Draymond. think Harrison Barnes oh, okay. didn't invite. He invited yeah. Steph and Clay and everyone else. He did not invite Draymond to the wedding, yeah. um, which, I mean, I, can be hot. That's what. That's all like interpersonal, hey whatever, like whatever. guys don't like each guys cannot like there's guys that don't like each other and they can settle differences, you know, uh, clay, I don't... clay seems to still very much like, uh, sure. HB. He said after the game that he was nervous when the shot went up to be blunt and, uh, that HB's his guy, but he's happy. This one didn't go down, but clay was nervous when the shot went up, which says something in itself. It was a good look. Like, I think you take that and, just wide open results heck yep. yeah you take that like I, that was a a perfect executed play at the end of the game people were like oh fox should have forced a shot or like no no you had draymond green you had steph curry steph isn't going to get called for a foul because he's steph and draymond green is still a, a great defender and i'll even point out that steph had a the way this they were set up they had both fallen back to the free throw line I think that Steph could have potentially deflected a pass to Malik Monk on the other side. And there was also another player next to Monk, but there's no saying that Monk would have hit the shot either. Like, who knows? Like, I, I thought it was a great look. Uh, De'Aaron said it too. He said, you know, if you get a shot like that and it's not off one side or the other, it's it's a straight-on shot and and he just misses it a little long. He's like, it was a good shot. It just was a little long. And, you know, like if you really break it down a little long on that, it's probably like an inch or two off. And that would have been a totally different outcome and a totally uh, like spectacular into a, a very, very competitive game and set the Kings up for, you know, what would happen next. So uh, I, I, I wondered if they were trying to take a quicker shot. Uh, you got Sabonis down low there. Obviously, he's, he's kind of taken out of the equation with with the personnel yeah. on the on the floor but oftentimes we see these teams because it's not just the kings it's a one-point game and they're settling for three um you know i, I think sometimes they give away the mid-range uh, the opposition will give up the mid-range a lot with the exception of fox and they'll try to take away the the, the uh, as, as virtue of them going over to <laughs> to to double him at that moment in front of the, in the key he looked like he was going to try to get to his spot um but i just feel like sometimes there's an easier shot for to be had uh than than settling from the perimeter yeah because you didn't need a three right all you needed was a two yeah um okay let's get to this uh and i'm just watching my internet like be weird all of a sudden so I i'm gonna throw it to you guys quickly and hopefully if i disappear for a second uh, that's what it is um brendan what is your key for the kings turning this thing uh not turning it around because it's tied at two but coming out and getting a 
the the big third and then fourth win? Is there something that stands out that you really, really need to see for this team to to get back a, a big time win here? I think that a lot of it has to do with the possession battle. I feel like that's been a really big story in this in this series, and it, that goes back to the physicality and and pace that Mike Brown and the coaching staff have been emphasizing so much. Like, if you're playing physical, you're going to get more turnovers. It's going to lead to an increased pace where both these teams are extremely efficient. Um, I, I think that being more physical could get you to the line more often. Obviously the offensive rebounds have been a ginormous story throughout the course of this series. So I, I think that a lot of it does have to do with the physicality. It was good to see shots go down and obviously helps and impacts the game a lot, whether or not that's happening, but they're getting good looks consistently. I don't really, there's nothing you could do about that. Like I think worry about controlling the pace physicality and to Mike Brown's point that you got to stay locked in for, for four, as close to 48 minutes as you can, because you have a couple slips up, slip ups against the Splash Brothers. Like that's six, nine points quick. And you just got to stay locked in. They, they've shown enough that if they play, I think their brand of basketball and are physical with a good pace and stay poised, that they are in games late against this team. Sean, what do you got? Well, I think it to me it kind of goes back to game three in a way. <clears throat> I know we didn't have a podcast to talk about uh, and digest that one, but uh, boy, if you're Mike Brown, you're hoping you don't look as bad at any point in the series remaining um, that you did in game three. They just did not look like themselves, and they got punched in the mouth. And I think you know some of the things that we were speculated about, no Draymond Green, uh, a lot of attention on Demonis Sabonis, and he goes in and he completely looks uh, – just completely bewildered by some of the things that, I mean, he, he had a target on his back. I think he was afraid to even move at, at different moments, thinking that there was such a, uh, an emphasis on him. He kind of loosened up a little bit in the, in the second half of game three, but to that point, like you played terribly, N didn't hold a lead at any point, never really went on any kind of run of substance. And for the most part, it was like a 10, 12, 13 point game. You know, and how often do you see the Kings just evaporate those types of leads, or at least just get it back to a to a two possession game? Um, and so, the way they came out in Game Four, you knew they were going to bounce back and 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 have more of a Kings basketball type feel to it. Now, carrying that over, I'm not a big believer in momentum. Clearly, if that if it does exist, the Warriors have probably stolen some of that. But all that's really happened, and I hate to be cliche and use adages, but you know. The road team has not won in this series. And you know, you know, the Warriors really dominant despite their in-season struggles are coming into Golden One Center feeling themselves, knowing that they have not played well on the road during the season. And it's been few and far between the games that they win. So uh, I, no matter what happens with De'Aaron Fox, I expect the Kings to have a confidence about them, knowing that they've got the home court in their advantage, knowing that they played like shit at some points in the series and could have been in, in position to actually compete down the stretch and not be completely um, uh, eliminated. You know, like you go in the closing moments of games and yeah, you, it may feel like, oh, they're not coming back from this, but you're still within striking distance. And I think that is very, very important, particularly at a moment where you see the likes of Keegan Murray stepping up, particularly when you're still waiting for Demonis Sabonis to have that 
game you're used to seeing from him. And also, you know, Kevin Herter, who you've talked about, I mean, look, the three-point shooting has been so bad in this series for Sacramento. Last night, it was started off pretty good. I think they were like 8 of 13 at one point. Maybe it was 8 of 14. I can't really remember. I remember it was like 7 of 12 is the one that stood out to me when I made note of it. But Kevin Herter, who usually you rely on for a lot of three-point shooting, 3 of 21 in this series, just abysmal. So there are so many things that you can look at and say, well, gosh, if this person just plays up to their average, to their potential, gives you a lot of a lot of signs of encouragement. This team is very, very confident going into game five. They look at it certainly as a disappointment that they were not able to capture a game at Chase Center, but not many teams do. You know, 33-8 and eight during the regular season were the Warriors at home. So but <laughs> you'll have moments to – if, if you, you don't have to win, you've got the home court, just hold on to home court, take it to seven games. I think this Kings team is, is still primed and ready to do what, do what's expected and, and overcome some of the, the adversities that they faced. And you, much like I said, the, the, the Kings may have had their best shot to win at chase center in game four. Well, we may have seen the best of the warriors in game, in game three and game four. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say like my, my keys, number one, Kevin Herter's got to wake up like, like, dude, you're the one guy with playoff experience with real meaningful playoff experience in the last couple of years, like go out there and shoot the ball, like whatever it is that's going wrong, get open, shoot the ball, hit, hit the shots, get back to who you are. It doesn't have to be 20 something game points per game. Get, get to the 15 point mark, hit four or five threes, like open this thing up. So there's spacing for everybody that if you can do that, if Keegan Murray can come out and shoot the similar way uh, that he did last game, he doesn't have to have 23. You open the spacing back up and they cannot do what they're doing to Sabonis. And that's how you win. You had, what was it? Five of 27 from wide open threes in game three. Like that's not going to cut it. Hit your three point shots. You're open. You're a good shooter like go ahead and hit your threes. So I think that's going to be big. Um, I also, you know, like just for Sabonis's sake, I want to see a game where it's called like pretty straight up and they can't keep their big men on the floor and they have to do something to adjust because uh, Draymond and Looney are in foul trouble. We saw it in Sacramento a little bit, and I think we'll see it again at least once uh, in these home games that are coming up. Um, so, yeah, I, that that would be my my two biggest keys. I think they played excellent on Sunday. Uh, the fact that we had 19 lead changes and 10 ties is absolutely crazy. That was a hell of a basketball game. So great. It was a hell so of a basketball great. game, and you missed by an inch at the end. Like if not, this is like a three-one series, and Kings fans are losing their mind and and just going crazy, and this thing could be over on Wednesday. So I by don't the think way, people. James? What happened in game one? I don't Steph know. Curry had a shot. Went, yeah, I think it was. Uh, oh, Wiggins had a shot. Wiggins had corner. a shot. Yeah, man. It wasn't like, a game winner, but it no. was. It was like it would have put them up with with ten seconds or fifteen seconds left. Wasn't Curry's like a, to tie the game? Uh, oh yeah, he I'm had a shot mistaken. to tie the game. So, yeah, man. Like uh, it's 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 the same thing that happened to them. Now it's happened to you, and you're two two. This is like game one again. So yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Uh, so I. Like I would say Kings fans bring it because this by is the way, be fun. they brought it too. I mean, there was a yeah. lot of Kings fans down there. I, I don't know that it nearly enough people talked about it. I probably should have, 
Uh, game three was not very many Kings fans there. Game four, noticeably different. Uh, it's particularly around the building outside, uh, particularly in the end zones. Uh, there was a lot of Kings fans in that building. And that you, we had they, the fight right on game three, the Kings fan. Oh, there was a Warriors fight in game fans. four too. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, there's some ugliness. So it's sports. Calm down, y'all. Just it's calm, sports. Calm man. down, y'all. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to the business of basketball. That wasn't very convincing. Do it the again. business of basketball. There That's we go. Um, how do they respond? Like, what do you feel? Not like, like this is a back up against a wall moment for the Kings. I think, especially if Fox can't go. Like, where where are you at, guys at with this? Do you like Sean? You kind of mentioned it there that you think you know it's going back home and you hold court and you're okay. But can you? Can you recover from the two straight losses to? the champs who are looking more and more like the champs every game. Uh, although the Kings are right with them. They played well in their home court. Every game is a, is a new day, new story, new chapter. I don't, again, I don't believe in momentum in a playoff series and certainly they haven't done anything to where the Kings should absolutely wilt and, and, and think that they don't have an advantage in this series. Um, you know, I think that anybody who does is spending more time looking into what, uh, the history of the Warriors is and certainly that's still a championship caliber team and oh yeah I'm a guy who chose the Warriors to win in seven uh, and I still think it can it'll it'll happen that way but the the table is set perfectly for the Kings make no mistake even with the injury to Fox you've got you've got you've got the home court advantage uh, this team does not that Warriors team does not play well on the road but you have to recognize the moment ahead of you and and even though your backs aren't against the wall you need to treat it that way uh, and I think uh if anyone thought game one and two were, were loud at Golden One Center, uh, man, game five, that's that's going to be incredible. Potential game seven. Okay, yeah. Brennan, what do you got? I think the game four should be encouraging for the Kings. Like there's things they need to clean up, but I don't think that that should leave like a bad taste in their mouth. I, I think to Sean's earlier point that both teams, I'd imagine, are going into game five feeling pretty good. Like the Kings did almost just steal that game. And that would, you know, 3-1 is a huge lead to have in a series that teams don't overcome very often. Um, and you were right there within reach of being able to do that. So I think both should come in pretty confident. And I think that's going to make for an interesting atmosphere. And I will say if De'Aaron's limited, I'm not counting out the possibility of Davion Mitchell really stepping up. I, I think that to your guys' points earlier, early in the pod, that like Davion has been really, really good. I don't know what he's going to be able to give you as a playmaker for himself and others offensively, but if he can up that a little bit, like Davion has his moments of being very much like starter caliber that maybe he can have a moment here. There's a lot of times that guys ran, not random is maybe the wrong way to say it, but the guy you would not expect to has big moments late in playoff series. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that we're in for like a wild ride here. I don't know what's going to happen still. Um, I picked what Kings and six. That was my guns of the head. Uh, I still, I'm still on the board. I'm still on the board. Um, I think. Wait, you said some... Kings and six. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You said Warriors and six. No, I said said Warriors and six. You both said, you said Warriors and seven, Sean. He said Warriors and six. I said Kings in. 
I said I I like them better had in like five. five different guesses. To be no, I said I like the Kings better I'm in five. I said bullshit. I don't know. Go back and watch. He did. I, I show said me the Kings tape. Six. I know he picked the Kings. I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I... oh, oh see? there it is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Karma. He's like you lie, James. <laughs> bullshit. You lie. <laughs> I could have swore he said Warriors in six. He, he had a lot of guesses. He did. So. He's all over the board. That way he could I'm say, back. yeah, there he's back. Okay. Toss, stop yes. talking shit about him. There he stop is. Stop talking. <laughs> well, you, said, you said the wild ride. I thought you were talking about our uh, little uh, excursion the other night, but um, oh. you were talking about game five and six. Well, what happens in the city stays in the city, but Brendan grew up a little uh, uh, the other night, I think. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? We'll just leave it there. I did see Yesta Fiesta says, yeah, he said in six. Did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because okay. this is what I said. I said, I don't like the Kings in seven because that's <laughs> going to be really tough against the champs. I don't like the Kings in six at at uh, Oracle. I mean, at Chase. But I also like beating the Warriors in five is really tough. So I said, I'm going to go Kings in six. Um, yeah. We we had a good time. We had a good time in uh, in San Francisco on Saturday night. the The media got to go hang out. Um, yeah, and it, it was a good time. It was good times had by all. I, was there some invite, karaoke late? We didn't invite any uh, any Bay Area media, did we? That's not that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it was like we didn't know where we were going, and then it's hard to get a spot for that many people. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so wait, I was, could, how was I going to finish this up? Yeah, Herder's got to play. Oh, no, I was going to say this before I got, like, I disappeared for two seconds. I think Harrison Barnes is going to go at them in this next game. And I think Barnes is going to get to the free throw line, and I think he's going to come out pumped up. I think he's going to actually rebound, which can make a huge difference. 20 and to me, the Yeah, yeah. I think the barometer in this series is the offensive rebounds whoever wins if there's a disparity in the offensive rebounding that's where you're seeing the physicality the kings got thumped a couple of times on that and uh like i, I expect the kings to come out rebound be physical and it should be a fun game so hmm. uh, brian a is gonna need to know what brendan did i didn't Brent, do anything brendan held his own like i i was impressed like I lasted yeah. longer than most of the people out there, Sean. I will say, oh, I know. Well, not, I don't know about most, but uh, there were some that dropped off early. I will say, they go, oh, it's a 12 30 game. I'm like, you're not playing. Like, all you got to do is show no, up. I did remember Sean game. saying Jesus that. Christ. You're not playing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, were, we were a little torn up at that point. The, uh, the funniest part was that we were oh, all doing. Are this we talking about a, it? Are we going to talk no, about? Well, it? no. Oh, I'm okay. just saying the all funniest right. part is that we're doing this when there's a 12:30 tip the next day, meaning we're there at what 10. So yeah. Was okay. A, no, I don't. I don't three, care. Though. I don't care. But that's where <laughs> it was just the added part of it. Drink some water. You'll be fine. We, we were all <laughs> roaming the streets. There was four stops. Uh, the last stop for me was Careful. the karaoke bar, but uh, we ended I will up at. Say, at like a rooftop bar at one point. The the first place I thought was Bartlett Bartlett Lane. That was cool. Then we went to Bartlett Foley's. Hall. I think we're Bartlett Bartlett Hall. That's what it was. It but the food was fine. The drinks were good. Foley's was okay. And then a sixties rock band 
showed up. That's where you can see the picture of the Sacramento media that I put out. Um, and we had a good turnout. Like most Brian, of us. Were up- I am I am never an enabler. I'm oh, an instigator. instigator. He is an instigator. Yeah. No, he is an instigator. Am I the Draymond Green of the Sacramento media? <laughs> I don't know. I I heard you were mean to a couple of people here and there. So maybe. Oh, Uh, we had some talks. No, that wasn't (laughs) mean. It wasn't mean. Um, We we had an outstanding mean mean kids moment earlier in the day, which we're not going to repeat what happened. In chat. Yeah, in group chat. Oh, no. Uh, There was something that happened before that that I think, Sean, I don't know if you heard about. But, yeah, there there was like a a drive-by yelling (laughs) moment. (laughs) where someone we'll save that we'll from save Sacramento that. media may have been uh made in fun of like while walking down the street carrying their stuff huh. uh, yeah um uh, we were we were uh yeah we had a good time we had a good time so and if you're out and you're drinking responsibly you're not driving and all you have to do is we just Ubered. go back to your hotel room and crash and your buddy buys you a drink you should probably drink it i agree yeah, don't I'm, not a shot, a shot at, I'm do not, not doing a, a shot. I'm not doing a shot at one o'clock in the morning after. I bought, I bought nine tequila shots. <laughs> I think you did. see, Sean was that not guy. Not for me. Just I people. bought for everyone. I was very generous, and and you there, were... were, there ended up being a guy uh, who was celebrating his birthday. He was at one of these places, and uh, he had to drink someone's shot, and I was not happy about that. But he yeah, had a good birthday. Good for him. I got stuck with a couple of tabs there throughout the night. Just it was it was a good time. It was a good time. I was. <laughs> I was dad most of the time. Yeah. Do we have questions? So, we are doing uh, a live chat. Are we yeah. Do we have up? any we questions, questions since we've been goofing around here for the basketball last like questions. five minutes? Uh, do we have any basketball <laughs> questions on the way out the door here? We still have 172 people in here. So I know you guys have questions. Um, thanks for joining us. If you're still watching and you haven't already, give us a, give us a thumbs up uh, and, and subscribe here to the channel. Subscribe to the King's Beat. Um, if there's no questions, we'll do well here. We'll do final thoughts while you guys think of questions and we'll go from there. Uh, Brennan, final thoughts. Uh, I haven't thought this far ahead. I don't have any final thoughts. You never have any final thoughts. I guess. Is that true? Have you enjoyed your first playoff experience? I have. Um, yeah, it's definitely been enjoyable. I think the chess match of just teams playing each other back and forth a lot's been fun being able to also get the golden state perspective by being able to go to some of their media availabilities i think has made it fun um it's definitely been a good time and golden one is a lot louder than chase center chase center was a lot better at game four than game three i thought game three i was like kind of surprised it's not bad it's certainly not a bad environment but i think golden one is just on another level game four was a lot better for chase the atmosphere game five and potentially game seven is going to be ridiculous. I think so. Sean, final thoughts. Well, I don't really have any other than uh, th- this is clearly the most entertaining playoff series. I find myself bored watching some of the other playoff series. Um, and this one just really is the most captivating. And to answer uh, somebody, I, I I'd have to scroll up, but they asked percentage that Fox plays. I don't even want to put a percentage on it. I just think he's going to play. Um, I I don't think you've seen the last of him in the series, whether he plays game five, maybe it's a 50, 50 thing, but I don't think you've seen the last of him in the series. And uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he'll try to give it a go. But again, I, I want to pause on that and make sure that people realize like the next two days, 
with swelling, pain tolerance, all that kind of stuff, they're going to be crucial. Um, and it, it may, you know, we'll, we'll know more in those, but, it, but right now and people I've talked to, I think there's a, a strong confidence that, that he will go. And it's not like this team doesn't have an idea of how to treat a finger injury. They've been dealing with them all season long, whether it's Sabonis or Keegan Murray or the Della Vadova situation. Like they've got a treatment regime uh, regiment for this and they're, they've already hit it and they've done a great job of keeping their players healthy. Like I know Fox is going to want to play. It's going to be whether he's going to be a detriment to the team, whether he will turn the ball over six times and make mistakes and not be as impactful. I think that's where he won't play. Um, we'll go to diehard Fred. Uh, no one is getting a Judas tattoo. I'm not sure even what would a Judas tattoo look like outside of like Judas Priest. I can't I remember they, that. They one. were calling Brendan Judas I, anytime he goes I, against. I, I clipped Tyrese crossing Sabonis earlier this year, and people weren't happy with me. It started it's called Judas. Judas. Anytime it's a non Kings favored tweet. And then Brendan had to look up who Judas is, was, and he realized oh, I, he was. Diehard Fred is not well, a fan of objective journalism. First of all, there's a Brendan. We have to explain a lot to Brendan. I can't imagine why Judas would be any different. <laughs> Diehard or uh, Kevin. Kevin Fernandez asked about will Draymond get booed like no one in the history of gold, in the NBA Golden One? Uh, yeah, and I would expect the treatment of every time he touches the ball, uh, just like Demonis Sabonis had. I think that's definitely in the cards for Game Five. But that will also be the difference between Kings fans and Warriors fans. Kings fans will keep it up at the same volume the entire time. Where I think we saw it wane with uh, with Warriors fans. They they wanted to hate Sabonis, but I don't think they did. They they it wasn't convincing. They faded. They faded hard. Um, Sydney Dean, do you think Metu plays in this series? I say no. James, do you know what Sydney Dean? What movie? Um, I don't think so. That would be White Men Can't Jump, which Brendan has not seen. Oh, right. You haven't seen White Men Can't Jump? I have not. I don't, does that one hold up? I haven't seen it in a long time. What do you mean? The first, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. All right. All right. Um, it's I, also clear that it's also clear that, that Wesley Snipes has no idea what he's doing with a basketball, but it's still, it still holds up. Yeah. It, it's very, uh, what's Halle Berry in uh, Catwoman. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm sorry. Halle Berry did everything. <laughs> you watch your mouth with that one. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But the basketball <laughs> scene is one of the worst basketball scenes in the history of, of cinematography. You, you leave her alone. Damn it. You leave her alone. She climbed up on a wall and okay. Uh, to answer your question, Sidney Dean, I don't think he does. I, I was of the opinion that he would probably see action in game four when he didn't. And the way that Alex lens plus minus and, like some of his his advanced metrics are looking so far, I don't think that we're gonna see Chimezi Metu, which I'm surprised. We don't see Chimezi Metu in ser this series. We ain't seen Chimezi Metu in the playoffs, uh, even if the Kings advance, because I I think this is the one series where he played well against the Warriors on the regular season, and I'm surprised we haven't seen him. Um, this is a good question here. Do the Kings ever practice on their home court, or do they strictly practice the practice facility? Here comes a James theory. This has been a point of contention for me all season long. Previous coaches, there are times where shoot-around, they, they go in and do shoot-around on their home court. Mike Brown has not done that. 
at all. So I think it's kind of strange, but they don't practice on their home court and they don't shoot around on their home court. So everything is done in the practice facility and that's a, a coach's decision. Um, God, man, this guy won coach of the year. Voters don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I mean, I also think it's kind of funny. Um, I know Brian a had talked about Bay area media conspiracies. Like um, it, I don't know which ones are, I mean, look, I'm not, I, I pointed out on the radio earlier today that like, and I know I wasn't the only one to draw this um, uh, conclusion, but it's like, you know, that like Sham Sharanya who broke the story it is represented by the same agency as De'Aaron Fox uh, clutch. It's LeBron's agency and, or well, I always say LeBron's agency, but um, Rich Paul's agency. Uh, but it's still a legitimate <laughs> fracture in the finger, like conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory or not. Like, I don't think if the, <laughs> like the bone is still broken guys. Like, <laughs> I don't know what people are alluding to when it comes to conspiracy theory. So, um, if, if it's a conspiracy theory that you're casting shadow of the doubt that he's going to play, well, certainly, I mean, yeah, maybe Darren already has it made up in his mind that he's going to play. Why not leave the shadow of the doubt that he may not going into, uh, into game five, but guess what? That's the golden state warriors. They're, they're going to be practice. They're all, they're going to be preparing as if he does play. Um, they're going to be, they're always the most prepared team that there is. They've seen everything. So, uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to create an advantage. And I haven't really seen any other conspiracy. Do you have any, James, that I, I'm trying to... Um, the whole, oh, Draymond went to the Warriors and said, it's best if I come off the bench, everyone's playing so well. Yeah, that was like, from everything I'd heard while we were down there, two days of the Warriors convincing him. And then day three, it's like, yeah, I think I should come off the bench. And then boom, we got ourselves a bona fide leader stepping up. Uh, so that's a good one. They won. Um, they won. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, too, like, look, I think uh, Warriors Media, they've covered greatness for a long time. And you rely on these people because uh, the the Warriors have, have made everything sustainable in the Bay Area, where in most major cities like the sports departments are down to one or two people and everything is getting cut back. The fact that the warriors have been great and that came on the heels of the giants being great. And now you have the, the 49ers and like, there's been a lot of success in the Bay area, even the sharks success, uh, A's playoff success before, you know, this whole mess. Um, but it's kept a lot of these newspaper people in, in their jobs for a long time. And I'm not saying they're playing favorites. What I'm saying is that there's a positive vibe and everyone's still there. And there's a lot of people who've been covering the entire run. And when the Draymond Green era ends, I, I will be interested to see how that feels for them. Because I know how the end of the DeMarcus Cousins era and uh, for guys like me and Sean and some of the other writers, like once it was over, you your perspective started to change quickly and you kind of like had some awakenings ab about just what you'd been through. And I think that they'll have the same thing. There won't be, if they see Draymond Green in a different jersey doing some of the stuff that he's done, uh, but he's doing that to the Warriors, um, their tune is going to change on him very quickly. Um, but 
you know, for a long time, he's, he's been a cash cow, just like the Warriors have been a cash cow for them in the Bay area. Yeah. Um, it's, it's strange. Like I know Brian's bringing up some of the, some guys out there uh, in the chat here and I, it just, you know, I can, I'm okay with differing opinions. I differ opinions on this podcast. We have differing opinions, certainly mm-hmm. in the Sacramento media. There's a lot, there is media that, uh, present themselves as fans a lot. Uh, I, it's not, you know, there's media that on both sides that, that do that. I mean, everyone's got their own kind of style, right? And, uh, to James point, when you're surrounded by teams that have vast levels of su- success, sometimes recognizing when that success might be evaporating, um, can can take a I need to see it first approach again guys like it's it's sports everyone's gonna have a different opinion um even differing opinions of fact like sharing the other day when uh I was having a chat with this was a Bay Area media person as well who didn't think that that Draymond used force when he stepped on Duana Sabonis and I did not think we would be having that type of discussion but um just just I I got in a discussion with someone that was surprised that that didn't understand why I thought Draymond Green's antics after the game were anti-NBA. Like, that is not what the league has ever been about. Like, that's some next-level WWE stuff. That's fine. Well, that was during the game. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though. His (laughs) antics following, like, when he's standing up on the bench and grabbing his crotch and calling people uh, all kinds of names, they, they were like, I was entertained. And I'm like... Wait a second. Like, first of all, that was like, uh, like yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. I mean, that thing could have turned ugly in a heartbeat. But that's also that's not the carefully crafted brand that is the NBA. Yeah, and I and I I'm the guy I'm a guy who was fully entertained by it. You know, I can admit that. Like, I know that there's ramifications that come with those actions, particularly with a guy who has a track record a million miles long. Um, but the the basketball fan in me can look at that and go oh god this is great this is this is this is only going to create more interest in the series it's only going to create people wanting to tune in uh, and it's only going to create for an absolute raucous environment going forward in both chase center and golden one center so um yeah i'm 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 okay with it it's that's why you have leagues and precedents in place to be able to you know have ramifications that come with actions like that I thought he was getting suspended the moment it happened. All I did it. too. I watched it and play by the out. Way, like you will not play next game. By the way, I I think Draymond Green felt the same the same way. I really do. I really they feel Draymond speak Green to existence that he wouldn't yeah. that he would play, but that's not. Uh, that's I, I knew it was like the whole time we had it on and, the and, podcast. Like it would have come out earlier in the day that he w- probably wasn't going to get suspended. I'm like I don't believe it. I think he will still be suspended. It is what it is. You don't do that in in, in this league. And by the way, we're and as Brendan can attest to, like we've all called out the dirty shit that Demonis Sabonis has done. It's just not done nearly as overt as stomping on somebody. So yeah, there is a legitimate gripe to be had that the Warriors were uh, upset with. It's completely legit. These are these are uh, deception is a huge part of a lot of these moves that these guys do. He's not by himself. D- Draymond Green does them. Kevon Looney does them. Dotmas Sabanis does it. I mean, the, all these guys do it, and some guys are better at getting away with it because it is very, very deceptive. Um, but when you outwardly stomp on a dude, um, that's... Nope. Yeah. And people acting like it was Steph Curry that did it. If Steph Curry had stepped on him and they didn't suspend him, you know that Steph Curry wouldn't have gone up there and grabbed his crotch on the, uh, on the, on the team's bench. So, yeah, if that had happened, out of character, no track record, maybe. 
You guys saw what happened with DeJounte Murray uh, with the Hawks, just suspended for bumping the official. I think their heads may have collided in that regard. He obviously... That's um, what Sabonis got suspended for last year. Yes, verbally he berated bumped, him. Yeah. No, he bumped the official. Oh, and again, yeah, I was, I was also talking about, like, DeJounte Murray also verbally berating him in the, yeah. in the moment of colliding with him. And it's, yeah, man, these, you can't, you can't do that. And there's going to be ramifications for it. So um, people who thought that they were surprised that Draymond got suspended, I'm like, what have you been watching? Brandon, do you Agreed. have any thoughts on this? I feel like I've said everything about the Draymond Domas situation. Honestly, I'm kind of over talking about it, but I agree. It was interesting getting some of Golden State media's perspective. Um, he totally deserved to be suspended. Like, yeah, no two ways about it in my mind. Okay, a quick question. A quick question: Do teams uh, build video packages of missed calls and send them to the league, uh, like James Harden in the 2015-18 playoffs? Yes, absolutely. Um, the Warriors probably have sent a couple of packages about this whole ball as a weapon thing. The Kings have clearly, at this point, I would be shocked if they had not sent a video of Draymond Green slapping Trey Lyles and slapping Keegan Murray, um, as well as some of the other plays that uh, uh, Looney's moving screens, Looney standing in the in the key for the entire 40 minutes he's on the floor, all those things. Um, do we have anything else in here? Do you guys think Kessler Edwards will play minutes? I don't think so. I think that they're, no. I mean, if he does. He played seconds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Seconds last game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Terrence Davis is going to get a shot, especially if Fox is out to be like an offensive weapon. Um, so that makes sense. Um, let's see. I don't think Tim Kawakami has ever been anything, but like he's a guy who hates people. Brian in the chat here. Like I have a lot of respect for Tim. He's a, a guy who blocks everybody, um, but I don't think he acts like a fan. He's a journalist. He has been yeah, he is a, uh, he, an award-winning he journalist. Very uh, critical of all things sports. Um, he, he, if he goes out of his way to compliment somebody or, or even give credit to greatness or even just solid play, uh, that, that, that would be like James – like gushing from a mountaintop of how well something happened. Like it, it's rare when, when Tim, Tim Kawakami does uh, something like that. And, and it's uh, I, I very much enjoy Tim Kawakami. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Bonta Hill is Bonte. a, a Bonte. Bonte is a really nice guy. Um, yeah. Actually, he even came up to me after the whole situation with 95, seven, the game uh, and like came over and gave me a big hug before game uh, three. So, hey, look, uh, we've got weird, giant, all caps stuff going on. Um, Udoka to Houston. Udoka to Houston, just so people know, the most brilliant PR move in the history of professional sports. You had all morning long with the crazy, like, again, Fox News stuff with the CNN stuff with Don Lemon and, you know, with uh, Tucker Carlson uh, you followed that up with like some injury news and some sp suspension news of the De'Aaron Fox injury, followed by the DeJounte Murray news, followed by Aaron Rodgers getting uh, getting traded. And then Houston goes, let's slip this one in. Hey, do you mind tweeting out that we're hiring Emmy Yudoka as our head coach? 
brilliant. That's what you call hiding in a news dump. Yeah, but James, you still have to have the press conference. Okay. When do you think that takes place? I don't know. Yeah. Game one of the NBA finals is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they might sneak it in uh, like during the Kings-Warriors game on Wednesday night. Yeah, so. Anyway. I like that uh, there, I have, you know, friends like my, well, he covers the, the Hawks out there. Um, but he'll call, they call it, they call Ime Udoka, Mr. Steal Your Girl. And that was, uh, made me laugh. Oof. I'm here for the humor. Uh, wow. Um, all right. I think that's going to wrap. Uh, like that's, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a wrap. Um, I don't think we have anything else to answer here. Uh, some good stuff. Um, I don't know Grant Cohen. I'm not going to comment on him. Um, I do know his dad. I had met his dad, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was at playoff series forever, forever. Um, Lowell, Lowell yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I've had a great time going down and hanging out with Bay Area media, whether I, I love everything that I read coming out of there or not. It's a really good group of people that we've spent a lot of time with over the last couple of years, especially Sean and I going down and cover warriors playoffs and going on the road. So uh, lots of love for a lot of people down there. And it's always a good time to go down there and cover a game. All right, someone's, we already did final thoughts, right? What's that? Someone's joking about it being being Keon Ellis time, but just going to point out oh, they are oh, ineligible. They are in ineligible because they eligible. are two ways. That being two Keon and Mimi. Yeah, uh, definitely they are not allowed job, uh, to Good play. Job. Yep. Uh, thoughts on officiating? It's really tough. And we've, we've I, been there. I want to make this point really quick too. I think one of the toughest things is the Kings are learning that Every playoff game, the intensity is different. The the way the game plays is different. All of that stuff, the way the timeouts are, the way you know the exposure is, everything. The other thing that's really different is the game is called completely different from one game to the next. Even though you're playing the exact same team, you have a completely different staff refing the game every single night, and that also takes its its own like understanding. Like, it's very different. Like, one game, you're allowed to do all this physical stuff. The next game, there's going to be 47 fouls. Like, the what was it, game one or game two, where there's, like, crazy fouls called all over the par- all over the place. So, not only is it the referee inconsistent, um, like, in a game, but it's inconsistent from one game to the next. It's like if every inning you had a different guy calling balls and strikes. It just, it's, it's weird. Um, okay. Uh, I think I think we're good. Um, do we have secondary final thoughts, Brendan? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Sean, secondary nah, final thoughts? Not really. Not really. I'm getting my concert schedules lined up, and uh, mm-hmm. like to see some. If anyone knows of like some not underground secret concerts happening, but uh, anything that's about to pop, I need those because the only way you can really afford to do this is like getting all the pre-sale codes. So send me your pre-sale codes. You but need to you hook up with someone who's a uh, who has American Express. Now, when you say hook up, like you need a friend that has an American Express card and gets all the pre-sale stuff. Because that's how we it, right? get all of our pre-sale stuff. We have a friend who like calls us. Oh my gosh, tickets are going on sale in ten minutes, and I have early access with American Express. And we're like, okay fine and then sometimes we're like we said no and you bought tickets anyways and we don't want to go to that show and we get stuck going to to depeche mode and like what am i doing here yeah you're saying you didn't want to watch uh depeche mode 
No, I did not want to watch that guy hump a speaker and grab his crotch for three hours straight. Wow. Was it Billy Idol? (laughs) No, it was the lead singer of Depeche Mode who's died three times, like twice backstage and once had a massive, like he's, he's flatlined multiple times and they've had to bring Brendan's face. He has no idea. He has no idea who Depeche Mode is. No idea. Yeah. Uh, All right. I think that that's it. Uh, Yes. Adam Silver is doing a nice job. Uh, We have labor peace. We have labor peace. That's all that matters, man. Okay. And we keep get to keep working. Game is good. Basketball is good. We're having a good time. Um, okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Make sure to, if you're still watching, we still have 163 people in here. Give us a thumbs up. Um, you already so, did. Unless you already did. So don't double thumbs up. <laughs> Brendan shaking his head. You. Yeah. Um, also subscribe. Uh, lastly, subscribe to the King's Beat. Jump on board with the King's Beat. Get a premium subscription. Help us uh, pay for things like hotel rooms and stuff like that for the playoffs. Uh, and nights out drinking heavily in San Francisco. Uh, th- all of those things help. So, uh, for <laughs> Fox 40's Sean Cunningham <laughs> and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Uh, I am James Hammond, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We'll see you later this week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.